fly like kite. They hold hands until next day. Boy, then let's go hit his way. Boy rules blunt rats to his boy. Erection brings bad boy joy. Boy thinks of that big fat fat. Big black fat, the big black fat. Girl calls boy to stand him up on Saturday. Saturday. Saturday is a Saturday, it's a Saturday, it's a Saturday, it's a Saturday, Saturday, it's a Saturday, Saturday, it's a Saturday. Back once more with the wall up in the score. Smash about a rip shit and make it rock the hip. Revival of the roller boogie and the rickin' shit to make you think about the time and spoke fun instead of fight. But diving from a piece of metal should have jumped life. Slip your butt to the pips of this mix. Toss that briefcase, it's time to let loose. Cause you work like heck to get the weekend check. So unfasten that sleeper on your neck. Connected like a vibe from the wheel to the foot. Come on, everybody. Did the funky output You pump your fists. I reminisce to a bounce rock skate low fest to impress. Hey, pretty diamond, do you like the way I'm dressed? Cool, keep the faith and be my mate, cause all we need is feet. But promote the hustle, cause it keeps me thin. No need to talk, Luke, you just walked in. I'm heating high five and a day's no split. With the yawn, I trip to the dawn. Out comes the bodies following the one idea. It's clear. Rattle to the roll. Hold back up the track. Grab your roller skates, y'all. And let's zip on by. Zippity doo da, let's zip on by. Feed on the weed and we're feeling high. Sun is on thick and the cheese are golden thick. Come on, it's no time to hide. Season is twist. Spinning and winning. No hack and sack. Let, let me in. Spill on the bottom away, but it's okay. It's a Saturday. Now let's all get baked like Anita. Watch Mr. Lawn, don't look at the Peter. Feel on the farm, I'll feel on the... Hey, watch that. It's a Saturday. Now is the time to act the fool tonight. Forget about your worries and you will be alright. It's Saturday, 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 it's Saturday. Saturday, it's Saturday, Saturday, it's Saturday. Pretty little angel eyes. Oh, I 
Let down 
reach down into my arms like no Patricia Toy and I Be so strong again and again. Suckers at the donut shop. Thanks for serving it to me. Dark, hot, and no caffeine. Snuggle tight and hang loose, boys. It's time to groove to a de la slow move.
Situations like this, I now hate to give me smiles. Cool, ain't wide and ass. And with the straightest face, I be like, hell yes. Let yes, them the digits yes. of Papa Prince Paul, so I don't go a war. But yet I know when they call, they get. Hey, how you doing? Sorry you can't get through. Why don't you leave me? And you know Back to you, check it out. Go, Party after talking on Dixon Ave. Haven't been to a jam for quite a while. Figure out, catch up on the latest styles. That piles and piles of them it takes about a mile. All I wanna do is cut on the deck. Cloud but addition of fear by the mile to the sector. The lever of duty plug one most thing. And I be like, yo, G pastors all the producer. Now woe is me to the third degree. Maze pulls are funny, so I make like the bunny. Jet, but I'm getting used to this. The more abuse getting raped and giving birth to 
a tape Cause there's no escape from the clutches of a hawker Attached to my success, sent like a stalker Make way to my radius, playing fly guy Try to get my back, they force like Luke Scott Me, myself, and I go to this act daily And rarely do I not No matter how I dodge, some jackal always nails me No matter what the plot And they went out on tour, they be like Yo, I gotta get the player back at the hotel I be like, oh, spell Unveil the numeric code that dials my room And tell them to call me at noon But of course there's no answering machine in my room But a pretty young adore for a smoke on tour And if it rings while we're alone She'll answer the phone And with the witness she'll recite like a poem Hey, you done did the right thing Dial up my ring ring Now you're waiting on the beat Say, I would love if you sing a tune the true Instead of fronting on the street So no problemo, just play your demo And at the end it's breakout time So please don't press rewind, cause I'll just lay it down the line. Hey, how you doing? Sorry I can't get through. Why don't you leave your name and your number, and I'll get back to you. Hey, how you doing? Sorry I can't get through. Why don't you leave your name and your number, and we'll get back to you. Thank <laughs> you. 
Shoot! 
pretty women Bring it to my home You don't have to worry I won't do you no wrong Bring it on home Bring it to Jerome Bring it on home Bring it to Jerome Bring it to Jerome Bring it to Jerome Bring it to Jerome Look here pretty baby This mess I won't stand All the other women See you got another man Bring it on home Bring it to Jerome Bring it on home Bring it to Jerome Bring it to Jerome Bring it to Jerome Na na na
Festival, which is eight days of comedy, nine venues, workshops, featuring comedians from all across the U.S. Get it or forget it.
lived a real fine thing named Red Riding Hood. One day Red's mama said, honey, your grandma's uptight, you hear? I fixed up some chitlins and okra and black-eyed peas and some cornbread, pig's foot and northern beans and rice. And I'd like you to fall by a crib and whoop it on her. Crazy, said Red, so she started off through the woods. Little she know that the big bad wolf was making the local scene on a one-nighter. And he fell out from behind the timber. Said, baby, give me some skin. Sorry, Daddy-O, said Red, I gotta make it over my grandma's crib. Mama heard she was sick and thought she might like to pick up on some sticks. I'll dig you later, said the wolf. He made over Grandma's house post haste. Swallowed the old lady up, disguised himself in her night clothes, and stashed himself between the lily whites. Red came upon the scene, which was a 21-story project made out of zigzag papers and scotch tape. to the door she laid down a crazy paradiddle and said man it's a rain fall in said the wolf what you got in the basket sugar same old junk said red baby don't put it down said the wolf i got it said red it's getting heavy Grandma, what great big eyes you have. That's a better to dig your tail feather with, my dear. And Grandma, your process is out of sight. Yeah, I got myself straight on the south side. I don't want to sound square and ask for your draft card, but where's my grandma? Your grandma's gone, said the wolf. Don't have me that jive, said Red.
Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a Hi, this is Carl. I wrote this song. I I'm Mike's friend. My turn-ons are satin sheets. I love to be outdoors. Follow me on Twitter. Jokes to call. The French duh, not the duh duh. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube. With Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube. With Mike Hi, welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. How hey, are you, man? Mike. All right, ready to watch this film. Looking forward to a good episode because it's a good film. We are going to watch a good film this week. We are streaming right now, as we always do, every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on San Francisco's own Mutiny Radio. What is Mutiny Radio? It's an internet radio station. You can find it at mutinyradio.fm. You can hit it and you can stream it. We have full afternoon uh, Sunday shows. We're just part of it, so make it an afternoon. But check it out. Listen to us first on Mutiny Radio. Listen to us next on our podcast, which uh, posts every Sunday night, Sunday afternoon. Uh, you have to find it by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Go ahead and subscribe. You'll hear the, the podcast. We're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube with the sound off, and you're going to listen, watch the movie and listen to our podcast at the same time. So you're going to have to find the YouTube. If you want to just not deal with it, check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Carl is the producer of this show. You heard his fantastic theme song. He has researched this movie we're going to watch. He has also synced this movie and posted it on YouTube. And very shortly, Carl, we'll be hearing an interview you had with a celebrity comedian who will talk Correct. about their celebrity and their comedianness, and then give us a countdown to this movie. I'm really anxious. A good movie this week? Carl, what is this movie? This week, we will watch The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Don't, don't put in man. The Incredible Shrinking Woman, 1981. And the channel we like is Kenny Love Music Movie. Not Jimmy Eat World, Kenny Love Music Movie. That's the most inspirational uh, YouTube channel I've heard. So Kenny loves mo moves, music movies. Fuck you, books. Kenny doesn't like them. No, no, Magazines, no. Well, uh, book, it, movie is quicker. It goes yeah. right in, you know? Uh -huh. Video uh, too much for Kenny. So go ahead and find. The Incredible Shrinking Woman. The Incredible Shrinking Woman. 1981. You Kenny in. Love Music Movie. You're going to find Kenny's link. Here's what we need you to do. We want you to enjoy the following interview coming up. And during the interview, we want you to hit, find the link, hit play, hit pause. Whoa, no, even worse. That, 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 two ads. Yes. So two ads will play. One, you're just going to have to watch. The other one, you can skip at five. And one said, no, actually, I just got one ad today. Good for me, right? Lucky me. Yeah, I got one ad. After that ad plays, hit pause, move your timer to zero, zero, zero. And then while you're listening to the interview, the celebrity comedian, when they're done, they're going to give you the celebrity comedian countdown. And when they say go, we go. So, Carl, take it away. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Chris Carfaro. Welcome. Hey, Carl. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Now, we know each other out there on the comedy scene. Most of the time, it's open mics, less than shows. And I think you're very new to comedy. Maybe there was a pre-pandemic time, but, uh, you know, in the in the context of things, right? It's pretty new. Tell tell me why you got into comedy, how you got into comedy, and how long are we talking about here? Sure. So uh, before the pandemic, I had one of my friends who thought he was funny come at me and say, hey, I'm doing an open mic. I know you love comedy. Uh, why don't you come out and uh, try it out? So me and him, we went to the uh, the original stand in New York City. Ah, uh -huh, the original first one, yeah. open mic, yeah. Um, that dirty, dingy basement. Yeah. I was like, we've made it. This is how comedy <laughs> should be. And I told a story uh, about my dad, something I've told to all my friends, family, hundreds of times, you know? So I already knew that it was going to be a decent story to tell. And we got some laughs. But for us, we were like, first time we got laughs. Comedy's easy. Like, it's done. <laughs> it then really is. We went, yeah. Then we went back the second week, tried actual material, and just played to crickets. <laughs> so mm. I took a little bit of time off after that. Uh, I had to check the ego a little bit. But then... Um, was that I'd Laughing say, Buddha? What's that? Was that Laughing Buddha? So yeah, it was uh, early on in the Laughing Buddha. I don't think they had a formal uh, agreement yet with the stand. But now if you go to the stand, it's all Laughing Buddha shows right. as far as the open mic. Um, which I like those people. They're nice. Um, they let you on and they, they give you some good encouragement. Those are always good mics to do. Um, but then I took a little time off and then I really because missed it. Because of the it, pandemic? So. Because of the pandemic or? So that was in 2017. So I took about till uh, early 2019 to get uh -huh. back into it. I really needed some time to let that ego cool off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So then I went real hard um, on comedy, going all the open mics. Uh, I actually saw you for the first time. We didn't uh, meet then, but I saw you at uh, Scotty's Comedy uh, Cove. Yeah. And I saw you do the first mic flip. And I was like, oh, comedy is more than just telling stories. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I hit up the scene a little bit, did a couple showcases in the city, uh, actually got uh, the industry room at um, Broadway Comedy Club. I won that competition. So I Terrific. had a little bit of a residency. And then right at the turn of that, pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a scientist, uh, former scientist, I guess you could call it at this point. Well, you're um, between jobs, right? Right, you're not right. I'm taking scientist. a little bit of a hiatus. <laughs> you're educated. You are a scientist. Right. So literally, right, we hit the pandemic. I think comedy's dead. So I'm like... I might as well just double down on science because hopefully this is the only pandemic I'll ever see in my entire lifetime. I think it would be pretty good to get that on a resume. <laughs> so I did that. And did then, you do any um, Zoom shows during the pandemic? No, I literally just said, Chris, if you're going to do something, you have to do it all the way. Um, it looks like that's going to be science. You know, I didn't really have a lot of connections at the time in comedy. So I didn't know who I could ask where they were doing Zoom shows, you know, uh, where the uh, outdoor shows were. So right. I, I literally just said, it's time for you to be a scientist, time to help out the community. 
And then I was like, I'm just having fun. <laughs> I need to get back into comedy. Now, you do a lot of jokes about growing up rural, right? Growing oh, yeah. up country. Tell me about that. Where did you grow up? How did this influence your comedy? And uh, what's the contrast now? Uh, I mean, we're this isn't ur an urban setting, but still, <laughs> yeah. you know, tell us about the difference. Of course. So uh, I grew up in Long Valley, New Jersey, which uh, oh. if anyone doesn't know where that is, it's in Morris County, right up against the Pennsylvania border. Um, and I grew up right across from a horse farm. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty rural. Uh, I had like a quarter mile long driveway. Uh, so it's definitely different. I live in Hoboken right now. Yeah. And uh, just the, the sounds at night, I'm used to, you know, hearing like raccoons and, and deer and bear. Sure. And those things are what put me to sleep, you know? When I hear a siren, I'm like, all right, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. got to be an emergency. Exactly. But I feel like that has definitely uh, influenced my comedy, at least uh, up until this far. Uh, I mean, the great juxtaposition between where I grew up and where I uh, am living now. Plus, I also went to school in the Bronx at Fordham University. There's just so much that an outside observer who's never experienced any of this, mm -hmm. like you can just take in. I've never experienced Ubers until you know, probably three years ago. Mm -hmm. So that whole experience is one thing that's still kind of blowing my mind. I don't understand how you could have a stranger just pick you up in a car. Now, from in Long Valley, still within 50 minutes, you're in the city, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and Morristown, that's, you know, I mean, you weren't so removed, right? right. Is it really so secluded? It's pretty crazy because I would say up until college, um, maybe a little bit in high school, I thought Morristown was the big city. Uh -huh. You know, we pl <laughs> I played football in uh, high school. We played Morristown every single year. And when uh -huh. we would go there, we were like, all right, are we going to have police escorts or something? It's pretty dangerous out there. Yeah, it's and dangerous then, in Morristown. Yeah, later on, I met someone from the Morristown football team. And uh, we actually had a cow walk across our football field right before a state championship, or not state championship, mm -hmm. state playoff game when we were playing Morristown. And they were like, we'd never seen anything like that. We were just waiting for a bear to come eat the cow. <laughs> so it wasn't just me. I always felt like it was just me projecting, but it's other people. It's, yes. uh, it's a whole new world. Okay, now I want to get to this movie podcast. You have a huge movie podcast. <laughs> What's the name of it? Well, it's called The Huge Movie Podcast <laughs> because it's all-encompassing, right? So it's me, um, my friend from home, Connor Garrigan, uh, John Gallagher, a new friend, and Jack mm -hmm. Mayberry, our producer. What we're doing every week is we've taken the IMDb Top 100 Movies of All Time list, and we've put that into a giant bracket, right? So we use the seating from that to make our matchups. Um, and every single week we take one matchup, we argue about which movie should be moving on, which one's best. We argue why that is. And, uh, overall we're hoping to see what the actual greatest movie of all time is uh -huh. in our opinions. Gotcha. Um, we've had a very, very big disagreement with IMDb. Uh -huh. We hate Citizen Kane, as I told you before. Mm -hmm. uh one of the most overrated movies there is and it if is. everyone disagrees come listen to the podcast come comment and i'll fight you on it <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, Rosebud, not uh, the most uh, revealing ending. Uh, I don't know. Like we were talking in person, you know, it was um, it was it was shocking to people at the time, and that made it very popular. And now it's gotten to the point. You're right; it's overrated. At least yeah. in my opinion, I'm with you guys there. A hundred percent. And you know, it's not to say that at the time these movies weren't good or on the cutting edge. But as one of the main theme, themes we've been talking about, because we're still in the lower ranked movies, those yeah. tend to be the older movies that have fallen out of favor with people. We've noticed that the technology for when these old movies came out were cutting edge at the time, right? Yeah. They've influenced a bunch of different movies. However, the movies that are being produced right now have taken what they've done, expanded upon it, and it's like anything, the old's gonna come out and the news going to replace it. Yes. Not saying that those weren't great movies at the time, but there's better stuff now because of those old movies. Yeah. So you can still have an appreciation. Time. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Okay, Chris Cafiro, how can people find you out there on the internet, on social media? Do you have a website? Do you have YouTube? Uh, is Instagram your haunt? H how can people f find you and find out what you're up to? So biggest two things, uh, Instagram and YouTube, uh, both of those are at Chris Carfero. Um, in Instagram and YouTube are both where you'll find the uh, podcast as well, uh, the Huge Movie Podcast. Again, uh, I'm on Twitch at uh, Topher Carf, so it's the end of Christopher and the first four <laughs> letters of Carf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that's speak. basically it. So people who are listening to the audio version know the last spelling of your last name. It's like car, then far, then an O. Car, yeah, car, far, far, oh. <laughs> very nice. But it's Car Pharaoh. It's Car Pharaoh. Yes. Okay, now Chris, Chris Car Pharaoh. Everyone at home, boys, to watch this film. Same time we do here in the studio. So everyone at home has got to press play on their device at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. So why don't you go ahead, Chris Cafaro, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. All right. I've been waiting for this. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Thank you, Celebrity Comedian Countdown, for your Celebrity Comedian Countdown. Very interesting. I can't wait to listen to it later. Right, we're starting off with Universal, the old school intro. Yeah, this is a Universal movie. It really appeals to all audiences. Universally. <laughs> oh, there's no CC on this. Uh, Kenny, come on, we need closed captioning. Well, right. Tom Lily Tomlin, it says for you. Charles Grodin. Oh, it's Star Pack. It's, it's it is star pack. Ned, Ned Beatty? Beatty. Listen, you wow. can't have Charles Grodin without Ned Beatty. Good point. I love the graphics. Talk about 1981. Yeah. It's like your calculator's graphic. Your pocket calculator. See how they what? zoomed in? So, so the cast is full blast. Mark Blankfield. Who's Mark Blankfield? He, we saw him as the star in The Jerk 2. That's right. He was the star. That's right. And he does his job in this film. I mean, he really does a good job. You know, he's very much a comedic actor. There's lots of um, Pratt Paul kind of things. No, so what this movie is trying to do is talk about how awful consumerism was in the 70s. How it, I mean, this is 81, it's released, but it was shot in the 70s. And 
So is this an actual commercial? So this guy's actually on the street as from a supermarket. Right. And he's trying to get people to try the product. And it's basically Cheese Whiz. Um, and, of course, Cheese Whiz tastes gross, I think, personally, myself. A lot of – the more sodium, the better it tastes. Oh, and I agree with you on that. So that's the joke. People are going to try the product and blech. This whole movie is talking about the consumerism, and it blames her shrinking on these chemicals, you know, from all the products. Based, suggested by the novel, Thinking Man. Right. Now, in 1957, there was a movie called The Incredible Shrinking Man, and they're trying to say that this movie is a parody of it, but it's not. It's just the title. It's just a parody of the title, you know? Yeah. Um, there was a book in 1956 called The Shrinking Man, and it was uh, authored, let's see. Yeah, here it is. The guy's name is Richard Matheson. He hated this film. He thought it was terrible and unfunny. Oh, no, that poor guy. He must have seen the yeah. wrong movie. Yeah, he's a famous Twilight Zone science fiction writer. Richard Matheson. Look, look, he she he just shoves she he just shoves the crackers in her mouth. Lily Tomlin is just a consumer coming out of the grocery and she's been ambushed. Right. All on television too. Let's see what he says. She's reading a book. That's how I do it. I have my four kids on the shopping cart while I push a novel. <laughs> now, her kids are the typical 70s kids. They are not well-disciplined. They're out of control because kids will be kids is the way we thought of it back then. So oh, they right. cause chaos and trouble. And also, it's about the craziness of life with kids that accidents will happen and that's what's just about to happen this curious little girl uh the aerosol can back in the 70s that's instant death now i, I guess that's a cleaning product or something they're really struggling it with now every movie has an inciting incident that kicks off our movie like you see the beginning of the hero's regular world and then something happens that rips them away from that regular world well, this uh, movie doesn't do a good job with the inciting incident. We really don't know what is making her shrink. When I saw the film as a kid, and that's why I suggested it. I did too. So I thought she fell into a vat of chemicals and it, it affected her. But no, that was actually the ending. And I will get to that. So, Oh, man, okay. look at those melons. <laughs> it's more of the craziness of suburban life and i'm i'm one thing i should mention up front during the opening credits this is written by jane wegman and directed by yes. joel shoemaker and and right. i think with lily tallin and uh charles grodin i only saw this movie in 1981 but yeah, yeah it stuck with me this film i really liked it too i really yeah. did and i i don't know if i liked it but it stuck with me too it's it does a, a trick and again like I'm watching I can't say I'm rewatching it if it's been 42 years but yeah right you can't yeah. I know but it's like what I remember as a kid was that it was entertaining but it had a real message about like just like a really strong feminist message in this because she literally is neglected in this movie 
and uh, she's like wow. just an item. She's an object in her little dollhouse, literally, in this film. And the husband ignores her, and she's trying to be heard. And I, I just no. remember, no, that's not the movie no. I saw 41 years ago? No, she is a major character in this film who is not overlooked at all. She is but the husband, loved by the husband. Really? Okay. Right. Absolutely. But don't you think it's a metaphor being trapped in a dollhouse? And being small in a room whose voice is small? I think it could be a metaphor. If this movie, movie had a small woman who was ignored, she is large and in charge in this film. Now, are we seeing two Lilies? We are. We're seeing two Lily Toms. She'll play four people in this, four characters. And two of them are made famous from, um, from, from Latin, which was her start, really. Let's now, see. She was in, most recently in a movie called 80 for Brady, but this movie, right. she's like 40 for Brady, right? Because it's 42 years ago. Yeah, I suppose, yes. She probably is in her early 40s here. Now, the woman who she, she's sitting across from herself. Now, this neighbor is named Judith Beasley, and she was a character really from Tom, Lily Tomlin's live comedy shows, uh, more than Laugh-In. We'll see that telephone operator Oh, one ringy dingy. But it's like a cameo kind of thing. Luann, I think. No, Luann was the uh, child she did. Let's see. Ernestine, a telephone operator. And Edith Ann was a little girl who would sit in the big chair. She'd pretend to be a little girl. And that was on Laughing. That didn't make it into this film, but it did make it into the TV version of this film. Oh, how cool is that? For no other reason, because they have the footage. It's like, here, I'm going to leave these products with you. She goes, I have no room in my house for these products. She goes, no problem. <laughs> they stick to the wall. We're products. <laughs> That'll be throughout the film. It's sort of like an Avon lady kind of takeoff. Consumerism, just trying to sell right, to all to of house, the literally, literally in your own home. And the husband, of course, has a job doing advertising for products. Gotcha. Now we're having a funny bit and they're doing the crazy music of gotta put all the groceries away. This is uh, me and my house. It says I don't put them away. I just eat them. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we're, well, we're to the Pop-Tart. Oh, never mind. Now we don't have bags anymore at the store. Do you guys still have that in LA? Yeah, I mean, you California has a law. This takes place in California. Again, when we saw this, we were in New Jersey, and I always had a idealized fantasy of what California was like because of films like this. But as mm -hmm. it stands today, you can get a bag. You just pay a dime. Oh, okay. Is it a plastic bag or a reusable? It really, it really depends on the comp on the store, but it's usually a plastic or paper bag. And like a Trader Joe's, I'll get a double paper bag, or I could buy like the little reusable Trader Joe's bag, say. But if I do the double bag, that's 20 cents. But it's, you know what? When that law passed like 10 years ago, right? I, it was fine. I just need the fucking bags. I'll right. pay the extra 10 cents. I reuse the bags. Yeah. Anyway, so Now here comes Charles Grodin after his business trip. And he like did really well. And they gave him an hour-long presentation. They gave him a standing ovation. Now look, that's love. That is love. <clears throat> Not an ignored woman. And it's all going to be about them tonight. Great. Oh, with the kids too? 
The kids are not well, happy. Kids dad. Like, Daddy's home, and they're like, "Hi, Dad!" And he goes, "All right, I guess the presents will wait." And they go presents, and they run. The good, good off. That's good airport presents right there. Yeah, right. Welcome right. to Seattle. They I make that joke, Mike. Oh, they do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a dead ringer, but you have to expect. up to the driveway, turned off the engine and sat, reluctant to move. Except for the porch light and a light upstairs, the house at the end of the drive was dark. I was glad no one had waited up for me. The house belonged to Rob and Jenna, a couple I knew only slightly. My old friend Beth had talked me into coming down here for the weekend, promising a great time at the beach. A few days ago, I had broken up with my lover of two years, and though I was glad of the decision, the loss of Everett made me want to retreat into myself. For a moment, I was tempted to turn around and head home. They would never know I'd been here. I could call tomorrow with some excuse. However, 
I never did such things, so I got my bag out of the trunk and walked up to the house. The key was under a flower pot, as Jenna had said it would be, along with a note from Beth telling me my bedroom was the first at the top of the stairs. She'd added at the bottom, glad you made it, it'll be a good weekend. I smiled at the reassuring words. I opened the door and walked quietly across the dimly lit living room, past Beth and her lover Kevin, who were asleep on a fold-out couch. Their sleeping faces sent a pang through me. It was hard to look at lovers. My bedroom was warm and close from the heat of the day. From across the hall came the faint thumping bass of a rock song. Someone was awake, but I didn't feel like investigating. I changed into pajamas and opened the window wide. Below me was the backyard. A high fence sheltered a small patio, a strip of lawn, and a swimming pool. I stared at an odd black lump at the side of the pool and decided it was an inner tube. I hadn't seen an inner tube in 10 years, I thought. There was a tap at the door and it swung open. Is the radio too loud? I looked up at a slightly built, barefoot young man wearing a t-shirt and jeans. I guessed he was around 18. No, it's okay, I said. We introduced ourselves. He was Chris, Jenna's cousin. He'd been spending the summer with Rob and Jenna while working at the Marine Center. He wanted to be an oceanographer. This fall, he was starting college in California. Ever been out there? He asked. I shook my head. The coast is incredible. Want to see some pictures I took last year? Sure.
Chris's curly hair was deep brown, almost black, and his skin a light golden brown. His fingers brushed mine as he handed me the pictures. For a moment, I was aware of my breast under the thin pajamas. Sexual feelings in men his age were in separate corners of my mind. We talked about California and animals, and then about college. He was surprised to hear that I was an instructor at the university, and he asked about the classes I taught and what I thought of my students. At two o'clock, he said goodnight, and I walked back to my room and smiled. What a nice meeting, I thought. The next morning, the whole household packed into Jenna's car and drove off to the beach. We trudged over sand dunes with bags of food, cooler, blankets, and towels, and came upon a perfect beach scene. Bright umbrellas, motionless sunbathers glistening with sweat and lotions, radios blaring against the sound of the blue-green water lapping at the shore. We unfurled towels and pulled off t-shirts and shoes. I plopped down on a blanket with my detective novel. A few feet away, Chris was climbing out of his jeans. His legs were tapered like a colt's. His chest was broad. A few dark hairs curled up his belly from the waistband of his suit. I looked down quickly at my book. Aren't you coming in? Chris asked. I don't like swimming in the ocean, I said apologetically. I'm always wondering what's down in the water that I can't see. He hesitated. Well, I guess I'll go in without you then. He ran down to the water with long, easy strides. He ran through the waves, and as a curl of water surged to meet him, he dived under it. I watched the water looking for him. At last, he bobbed up between waves and began to swim in smooth strokes. I turned back to my book. The detective couldn't decide what time the murder had taken place.
Chris was floating on his back just beyond where the waves were breaking. The ocean slowly rocking him. The heat made me feel listless. I lay back and closed my eyes, half listening to the sound of the waves and a barking dog. A panting sound came closer and closer. spread of blankets grabbed a towel and began rubbing his face. His chest was heaving, dripping. His dark brown nipples taut and wet. I could see the bulge of his penis under his wetsuit. A hot flush spread across my chest. Water's nice and warm, he gasped. You should try it. No thanks, I said.
lay down on his towel, his smooth brown back moving slightly as his breathing calmed. Drops of water, iridescent in the sun, hung on his curls. I wanted to scatter them with my hand. Instead, I jerked myself upright. I'm going for a walk, I said. See you later. I walked off down the beach, my blood pounding. The year I had first lived with a man, this Chris was probably learning to ride a tricycle. I had never been excited by a man this young, and I couldn't imagine him being excited by me. When I was his age, I had never desired anyone older. I decided that neither Chris nor anyone else would learn of my attraction.
next to me on the trip home, the shoulder that touched his, the arm and thigh and knee that were next to him knew his every move. At dinner, I watched his full lips as he talked, and my own parted expectantly. As I rose to go to bed, I felt a wetness between my legs. Chris caught up with me on my way up the stairs. Want to go for a drive or something? He's... so friendly and open and so young. I 
felt so deceitful and messy with my hidden thoughts and sticky crutch. I couldn't believe he was offering what my body wanted. I don't think so, Chris, I said. I'm pretty tired. Guess it is kind of late, he said. See you tomorrow. Good night. the door to my room and felt like crying. I got into bed with my detective novel. I didn't want to think about Chris or anything else. I kept squirming under the sheet, my body warm and restless. I read, wishing the story would speed up. I kept squirming under the sheet, my body warm and restless. I read, wishing the story would speed up. The detective still hadn't figured out when the damn murder had taken place. I kept squirming under the sheet, my body warm and restless. Finally, I sighed, turned out the light, and began stroking a familiar path between my thighs. I let my fingers drift upward across my stomach and up my chest. My fingertips teased my nipples, caressing them to stiffness. I opened my eyes to see the light from his room framing my door. Then I shut them and let my hand begin to comb through a tangle of pubic hair. My mind roamed swiftly through a catalog of fantasies, selecting the ravishment. The fingers became a probing tongue, hot breath surrounding it, sending a fire through my thicket of hair. A hand reached from behind me to play endlessly with my breasts. Another greedy tongue stroked and sucked and pushed my own. The image of Chris's face intruded, 
his lashes blackly wet as he bent over a towel. A penis rubbed against my ass, throbbing at the feel of my skin. A woman's nipples, teasingly erect, nuzzled mine. The tongue at my vulva probed one side of my clit. I imagined Chris at the doorway, watching my ravishment hungrily. Side to side, my clit and vagina were joined in one burning path. One. 